Welcome to Navigating Your Child's Education, a podcast for parents, grandparents, and anyone raising or influencing young people. I'm your host, Laura. On this episode, I'm joined by national cybersecurity expert, Dr. Seth Hammond. He is currently the director of the Center for the Advancement of Cybersecurity and an associate professor of computer science at Cedarville University. He has presented at national conferences, published several articles, and conducted multiple NSA-sponsored research projects. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Religion from Duke University, a master's degree in computer science from Yale University, and a PhD in computer science from the Air Force Institute of Technology. Dr. Hammond, thank you so much for being with us. I'd love to hear a high-level explanation of your field. For those of us that are not very techie, what is cybersecurity? Well, it's, it's cybersecurity is short for cyberspace security. So cyberspace is a little difficult to define precisely, but it's just basically everything that we do online, all of our online interactions. So cybersecurity is all about securing those interactions the best way we can, also respecting the people people's rights in cyberspace, rights to privacy and other things, keeping them safe. So yeah, just think of security in physical space and then security online, and that's kind of where you get to cybersecurity. And is this field important for parents to know about? I think it's important for everybody to know about for sure, because we live so much of our lives online. So we have to make sure that, you know, we're being good stewards, especially believers, you know, of our time and resources. So that that's important there. And just practically speaking, it's important that we're protecting ourselves and those we love. And so parents have a stewardship uh, for their children. So we can make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep our families safe in physical space. We should be doing, doing the same things in cyberspace. And also to just educate our children about cybersecurity, cybercrime, and all those types of things I think is important. I just was reading an article today that two, and this is not, I mean, there's many articles like this, but just from today, two juveniles in the United Kingdom are being taken to court because they developed malware or malicious software that they foisted upon some unsuspecting uh, user and he he ended up transferring some bitcoin but their malware intercepted the transfer and sent uh, 16 bitcoins which is today's money i don't know that's a few hundred thousand dollars um sent his bitcoin into their bitcoin wallets so in other words these two juvenile uh students basically got off with about $300,000, which is a pretty serious crime. And now their parents are involved because their parents were alerted that this had occurred, but they didn't take action and it's a fiasco. And so sometimes young people don't have the best judgment, don't always exercise the best judgment, and sometimes they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. So just an education that, you know, what to, what's okay and not okay uh, to do online, you know, because online there's so much, there's anonymity, there's there's this kind of feeling that like you're not really, nobody's really being victimized, you're not really hurting anybody because just the the social distance. This isn't the COVID social distance. This is just like the psychological distance between people online, and so you're kind of feeling like you're committing a victimless crime, and uh, so young people can kind of not maybe their conscience doesn't fire like it would and they can get themselves into trouble. So that's another way I think parents and educators can can help our young people. 
Now, what do you think is important for parents to teach their kids about the cyber world? There's so much to it. It seems so complex and complicated. And um, all the ways that we use the internet today, how can parents kind of choose a hierarchy of of what they want to prioritize in, in teaching their kids about the cyber world? Helping them to see that like these interactions that they're having in cyberspace are are ultimately with real people, and and so that that encompasses both what we're talking about on this podcast, which is cybersecurity, but it also is just kind of like cyber etiquette and cyber ethics and and cyber morality, um, because you know from social media and just there's so many interactions that can occur in cyberspace that are not positive, that are negative. Um, youth can be victimized in cyberspace by, you know, someone who's purporting to be a friend at school, but turns out it's, it's you know, somebody else and maybe an adult somewhere who's trying to uh, manipulate or take advantage of kids. So I don't know if that's exactly cybersecurity, but, but I think that to the extent that, that our youth understand that, all right, yeah, I have a cyber persona and, you know, I have this little whatever, you know, these interactions I'm chatting out here and, and I even maybe have like a nickname that I use online. It's still them and there's still other real people, you know, created in the image of God out there. And uh, they're still being held, they should, they're, they're going to be held accountable for their interactions. And so that just takes a level of maturity, even for adults to kind of comprehend that because it just, the environment, it just seems surreal. It just, it doesn't seem real. It seems like, you know, nothing really matters or, you know, but but at the end of the day, real people can be hurt. And sometimes that's others. And then sometimes that could even be us or our children. Mm. So I, that's a more of a broader answer than your specific question about cybersecurity, but just involves cyberspace in general. When we think about protecting our kids in the physical world, I think it's sort of intuitive, right? Mm, you're right. We, we know the ways to protect our kids in a physical world, but that that doesn't come so intuitively in the cyber world. So what are some ways that, you know, we hear stories of um, the bullying online mm-hmm. and we hear stories of uh, perhaps some adult predators that are mm-hmm. looking to engage younger children. What are some of those risks that our, our children have in the cyber world? Well, I, that's a good question. I think you're right. There is something kind of unreal about cyberspace that makes it hard because we can't see it. Um, I think if parents can, if we can use analogies or kind of make connections like, you know, well, you wouldn't do that in physical space. Why would you do that in cyberspace? For example, there's some dark places on the internet. There's some bad places. There's crimes being committed. There's pornography. There's um, black market wares, there's, you know, piracy of music and videos and all kinds of things. And so you would not let your children go to those parts of town uh, or at night, or you wouldn't invite some shady characters into your house or into their bedroom. And, and now it's not exactly the same thing, but an analogy could be made. Well, if you have a, your son on an internet connection in his room and it's not filtered in any way nor monitored in any way, and you're setting him up for inviting these things into his bedroom. And and that's like, you would never do that in, in the real world. It would be so obviously wrong and he could get hurt. And and you may be committing that same mistake um, by, by um, 
yeah, by maybe not warning him or not not having the proper safeguards around him or her in cyberspace, you know, just really just common sense measures. And I think this has just happened so fast and it's kind of caught a lot of us off guard as parents. You know, I mean, I think this will be less and less true, you know, every generation, but we're still in an era where everything's new and, and even in cyberspace, new things come out all the time. You know, like TikTok or other other types of ac uh, applications that didn't exist five years from ago, but th those can be abused and misused. So it really keeps parents on their toes trying to figure out, you know, how am I really adequately protecting my son or daughter who may not be able to exercise good judgment on their own to the extent that they need to and maybe exposing themselves to to uh, predation and other types of harms. Do you think it's a fair comparison to call the the cyber world uh, sort of the wild, wild west mm -hmm. of this generation? Yeah, I think it can be in some ways because uh, norms, a lot of norms haven't been well established, even ethical norms. Um, there's pushback. Some of that stuff is still being worked out. For example, I mentioned this, this what's going to be a court case in the UK. It's not really clear that these these uh, youth will be prosecuted or they'll be responsible for returning this Bitcoin. I mean, in the real world, they'd be like, well, you stole $300,000, but it's Bitcoin and it's they were juveniles when it happened. And I don't know if there's a precise law against that specific thing. So there's that types of stuff that goes on that. And, and there's also sometimes there's an anonymity and there's a uh, it's hard to keep to hold people accountable for their actions, kind of like in the Wild West, where you would think of, you know, someone could get away with murder and no one would know. And or they never even if someone knew they wouldn't really be prosecuted or it wouldn't be brought forth to stand trial or justice to be served. And and there's definitely the impression that ha that happens on cyberspace, you know, interactions where you can kind of get away with crime and never have your day in court. And I think not it's not 100 percent accurate because i do think people end up their crimes do catch up with them so they naively thought they might get away with something that they're not going to actually get away with but on the other hand criminals do get away with a lot especially in foreign countries which is a lot where a lot of the cyber crime comes from it's just it's very difficult to identify who the perpetrators are to get the evidence that you would need to prosecute them and then even then to press charges and then extradite them and then to i mean there's so many barriers that you kind of can get away, you know, pretty much you can act with impunity. And so that's where that Wild West comparison comes from. And I think it's apropos. Hi parents. I just want to take a minute and let you know about a free guide to paying for a private Christian education. Perhaps you're curious about sending your children to Worthington Christian school, but assume the cost is prohibitive. Before you rule it out, I encourage you to check out worthingtonchristian.com forward slash AffordWC to download a free guide to our financial aid program, 529 accounts, Ohio's Ed Choice Scholarship Program, and more. That's worthingtonchristian.com forward slash AffordWC. Now back to our show. I want to talk a little bit about data points that our children acquire as they are engaged online there's an industry it's kind of a pejorative term but i think it's an accurate descriptive way to, to put it it's called surveillance capitalism and it's basically a way to collect data on people and then um, use that sell it and, and sell it to marketers or others and you know maybe they're trying to market 
nice wholesome products. Um, so, you know, they would go and buy from these data brokers. They, they, they'd be able to do pinpoint advertising um, or maybe there's unscrupulous individuals that are buying these data points and then using them for more manipulative things. Yeah, all this data is being collected because there's a market for it and it's being used and many times abused. And again, we talked about the Wild West. A lot of the legislation hasn't really caught up with it. It just moves way faster than legislation can move. And um, that's a problem. And I do feel for our youth that they do have this this kind of online record and they could and it's permanent and that's kind of the sad truth i mean when things happen online or they're recorded online it's really hard to get rid of them and you know in the in in europe they passed regulation called the gdpr and and they've trying to help you know get the internet to like forget certain things about people and kind of try to legislate that through regulations and so you can kind of accomplish that through through legislation, but practically you cannot, you know, so if there's photos that have been taken or there's other things and, you know, in a moment, in a, you know, some, you know, we all exercise poor judgment, young person exercises poor judgment, but that's somehow captured in an online interaction that could do damage, you know, for a long time. Whereas in our world or the world we grew up in, it was ephemeral. It happened and then we forgot about it. Everybody kind of forgot about it, but now it could be brought up again and someone else could find that. And um, the psychological toll that could take on people is pretty severe. So I think our young people need to be very careful about the things that they text, the, the pictures they take and all kinds of just online communications. They think, oh, I'm just talking to my friend. I mean, this is just a joke, you know? And, and But as soon as something happens online, it can then be taken out of context and used in a myriad of ways and, uh, you know, make it look really bad, even if it wasn't actually that bad, or even if it happened, you know, a long time ago, when you bring it up now and it, it could make it, you know, seem like a horrible thing that someone did. So that, that worries me that, that, you know, you think current presidential elections and campaigns or Supreme court justice nominations, you think they get messy. I mean, in the future, 20 years from now, the next Supreme Court justice candidate, I mean, somebody could be pulling up something that he tweeted when he was 12 years old. And like that could be, I mean, and that could actually, we might argue, well, he was 12, but that really, I don't know if that would carry the day, depending on what exactly he said and, you know, sway public opinion and just like, come on. Um, and and that that's just part of a reality that affects us all, but it could potentially hit our youth harder because they don't they, they may lack the discernment they need and and they're digital natives and they're kind of swimming in these waters so they're just less likely to pause and they, they think of it as an ephemeral communication when in reality it's not so is the solution to avoiding acquiring all these data points just avoiding it altogether or are there ways that we can guide our kids through healthy use of and healthy interaction in the cyber world that that protects them somewhat from kind of acquiring all of these data points on themselves. So I think the solution is just education, helping our young people to understand, you know, some pe sometimes people ask you for information, you know, in real life, there's such a thing as oversharing in cyberspace. I would probably define oversharing a little bit differently. Like maybe don't share your birthday. Maybe don't share, you know, some other personally identifiable information. 
and kind of help them to understand it, it, which is going to be difficult for them to like really get why and to take it seriously but to um try to drive those points home for them so they realize that they're they're involved that involves risk and it could involve you know future uh, future i guess regret Mm-hmm. Or, or other things that could occur. So we can try our best to get our young people to kind of have that kind of, really, it's just wisdom um, and pass that wisdom on to them. I recently read about the cybersecurity gap. Tell me about that. What is that? Well, that is the gap that our country is experiencing in trying to secure cyberspace and, and basically in work roles. Cyberspace has grown. It's used all over the place. We're becoming more and more dependent upon it. The, the pandemic even just accelerated that growth. And so we need it for telehealth, teleeducation, telecommuting. I mean, all these things that have you know grown exponentially just even in the last few years and more so in the last year because of COVID. And so there, the, there's all this cyber footprint and all these cyber interactions, those are potential ways for us to be compromised, for us to be taken advantage of. So we need to secure, we need to secure ourselves. We need to secure our citizenry. Um, we need to secure our country, you know, our critical infrastructure, our electric grid, our colonial pipeline, um, you know, fuel supplies, which that was, that made the headlines, I don't know, in the last six months. These types of things are, are important and, but how do we how do we accomplish it? Well, a big part of it's going to be manpower, workers, skilled workers, and we don't have enough of them. Um, we we have, and and not only do we not have enough, the gap actually grows over time because the demand uh, or the supply doesn't catch up with the growth in the demand. So that's scary because it it is it is a national security issue, and it's one of the the biggest threats that we face as a nation in terms of like maintaining our way of life. It's securing our online um, interactions and our online infrastructure, which again, ultimately ties into all this physical infrastructure and our commerce and all kinds of things. And so people talk about cyber Pearl Harbor or a cyber 9-11, which we have not experienced, but those things are, are a possibility maybe be maybe via some some enemy nation state which is probably less likely um or a terrorist organization which also for other reasons is is semi unlikely but we need people to develop technologies and just do the work to um try to protect us in cyberspace so that's where that gap comes from and is the u.s behind other nations or or i don't know I, i think we probably are to an extent I don't know what the numbers are. I mean, I think every country deals with a cyber skills gap. Um, China has made huge investments in cybersecurity. Yeah, um, their government has, so they're probably less so. But I still think be- would believe that they have a lot of cyber cyber vulnerabilities over there, and they have their own problems. But like you know, I'd put us more in the camp with like the United Kingdom or something like that. And I think we're in a very similar place, um, trying to get skilled workers trying to get the education where it needs to be, trying to even market working in cybersecurity, letting young people know, hey, this is a career field. You should consider this career field. And a lot of that has to do with, for lack of a better word, just marketing, getting the word out. Um, 
government incentives to start new schools, new programs. That's something the government's done. Also, private industries jumped in as well because they need workers because of their competitive advantage and because of their, you know, they are also exposed and could have incidents that could cost them lots of money or maybe even could put them out of business. So they're trying to hire people. So everyone's all in on on trying to figure out how we can improve kind of the cyber pipeline of workers. How would you encourage young people and parents of young people that may be interested in the field of cybersecurity, or maybe they've never considered it at all? How would they even begin to navigate that or explore that a little bit? I think getting interested in like how computers work, um, how the internet works, which I think a lot of young people are are interested. They've not probably asked those questions, but to start kind of explore that, I mean, we just kind of take it for granted. It's almost like magic. It's like, oh, wow, you know, we're on a video call where we can do this. I can bring up this webpage from China or some other foreign country and it pops up within a second to maybe pique their curiosity a little bit and be like, hey, did you ever wonder how that actually works? Like, that's not magic. And then if they can start digging in and trying to trying to get to the technical depth of understanding things like programming languages, operating systems, um, computer networking protocols, that can help them maybe feel like, wow, I'm kind of good at this. I'm interested in this. This is kind of neat. And then go deeper and maybe get to a place where they would end up, you know, whether it's a technical school or um, college somewhere, some kind of degree that where they could actually major in computer science or information technology, or even one of these more specialized uh, cybersecurity majors. So I think that that's a good way to maybe whet their appetite, get them involved in kind of understanding how computers work. And um, I think if we can do that, maybe it'll take hold. I also think one of my personal, which is less technical, but something I personally invested a lot of time in is this idea of adversarial thinking. And cybersecurity, the reason cybersecurity is needed is because of cyber adversaries. So in other words, real people who are out there trying to do malicious things. If those people don't exist, yeah, computers can mess up and mistakes can be made. So we're still going to have issues with computers. But cybersecurity is not, well, my computer crashed accidentally. It's like, no, someone out there made my computer crash or they installed malware on my computer and it's not crashing. I wish it would, but it's not. And they're able to monitor all my interactions and turn on my webcam and do all these things without me knowing about it. So that's what I call, well, that's what we call adversarial thinking is trying to figure out what are these bad guys thinking? Why are they thinking it? And then how can I kind of anticipate what they're thinking? And I can teach a module on that and not really talk about math or programming languages or anything kind of scary. Um, but more, it's almost, it's a little bit psychological. I use some game theory and I help them to, you know, and they already are doing these types of things. Anytime they play maybe like a game of chess or something like that, they're trying to anticipate and encounter. Uh, I mean, it could even happen on a sporting field where you might figure out what position you're going to play or how you're going to move and things like that. You're anticipating and then trying to like get ahead of your opponent. And so that's another way to kind of whet their appetite to kind of help them get intrigued by this idea of of countering and preempting. And that can be a way in to uh, a cybersecurity, you know, whether that's just their own personal cybersecurity or even like a career or something in cybersecurity. It seems like digital and technology natives and Gen Z, it's not that they lack the ability to acquire the technical skills but there is something more than just learning about coding and learning about um, 
these operating systems, right? You dig at something a little bit deeper when you talk about character. Mm-hmm. And if you if you want to be um, if we want to provide a holistic education to people interested in this field, it has to involve character. I love to hear your thoughts on that. So, you know, John Wooden or someone once said, and it's been repeated many, many times that your character is who you are when no one's watching. And I I totally agree with that and the sentiment of that, what that means, because it's like, you know, who are you really? You're not trying to impress anybody. Like, what are you, who are you really? And I think today, I mean, we could each ask ourselves, anybody listening to this, well, your character is defined by who you are in cyberspace. Like, let me let me go and look at your last uh, week in cyberspace. What were you doing out there? How were you how were you representing yourselves? What were the, the, the activities you were engaging in? And I think that would give us a pretty good description of where is your character really? And so, um, yeah, so, and especially for a cybersecurity expert, back to your original question, if I'm a cyber expert, then I'm basically being trusted by somebody to go in and clean up an incident or investigate something or probe their systems to see if there's vulnerabilities. And so, you know, it's one thing when you take your car to a mechanic and you say, hey, can you fix this? Or can you look at this? Or tell me what's wrong with this? And you're trusting them with your car, which is a invaluable asset and you want to make sure you can trust your mechanic but when you hand over your like online your computer and potentially your online life to somebody that you're trusting them with even more you know like can you really trust them to steward this well and to not take advantage of you in some way and so i think in cyberspace character is extremely important we need to be able to trust those that we um that that operate in cybersecurity. How would a parent know, oh, my kid might, my, my kid actually might be really great in this field? Well, I think having the ability to kind of like figure out how things work really helps. So if you, you see your son or daughter maybe going a little bit deeper in technology, wanting to put technology together, maybe build robots or something like that, or kind of wanting to dig a little bit deeper into learning how to program a computer, those are pretty telltale signs. I think just in general, a curiosity for how things work. Maybe this adversarial mindset. I was just talking to a parent earlier that his son got suspended from school because of a cyber incident. And that was bad. But then that ended up him getting into a career in cybersecurity where he's been wildly successful. And it was because the dad kind of recognized, wait a second, I think my son might actually have a gift here. You know, kind of and and he 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 ended up getting really involved with his son's education and kind of finding this healthy avenue um, to get his son kind of on a right track and actually a really healthy track. And that's a great success story. I also think if you're going to go into the more technical areas of cybersecurity, um, math, strong math skills, uh, you can parlay that into strong cybersecurity and computer science skills. Those two things actually go hand in hand really well. Dr. Hammond, thank you so much for joining us on Navigating Your Child's Education. I'm so thankful for brains like yours. Thank you for what you do. A new episode of the Navigating Your Child's Education podcast is published the first and third Wednesday of each month. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to speed as each episode comes out. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a comment on iTunes.